Hello, friends and neighbors. Welcome to the Monster 8, the pilot podcast, the podcast that's hosted by me, Brandon. It's Monday in the music room. That's the day Brandon talks on Mondays in the music room. It's a show for everybody that you know. Eh, that's new. Um, yeah, it's going to be a great show tonight. We've got the return of the Lost Rewatch as we start the sixth and final season of Lost. I've got two episodes to talk about. Technically, one big, giant-ass episode. I'm also going to talk about my second ketamine therapy. I promised you a story about a cell phone, a toilet, and urination. And you're going to get it. I haven't really thought about the story since I told you I was going to tell it. So I don't think I've got a very great entertaining way to tell it you know not like lucero girl which is always fun to talk about brandon's massive mess up there that he thinks about often anyways if you like what you've heard spread the good word anywhere podcasts are available you can't find monster 8 the pilot you can watch a video on spotify you know you can do that also yeah, thank you so much. I think I got a couple new subscribers this week. That's cool. Um, I posted last week's video to my YouTube page, which, uh, yeah, that, that exists. It's rarely used. I think in these glasses and the reflection are just absolutely ridiculous. If you're watching the video, Brandon's wearing his old man, old lady glasses. Um, makes him look really cool and awesome and, like, dope and ill and stylish. <laughs> um, but I think... It doesn't work because there's way too much reflection going on. It's ridiculous. It's insane, Brandon. Take these off. Anyways, I hope everybody's feeling good out there. Yeah, so make sure you do all the fun stuff, as I usually say at the beginning of the episode. It's going to be a fun night. We also have some other stuff, I think. Oh, we've got a Springsteen Song of the Week. Um, I don't have a Band of the Week placed by the Springsteen Song of the Week this week. I think it's just going to rotate through Song of the Week, Band of the Week, Springsteen Song of the Week. I think that's what's going to happen. But it's going to be a good night. Um, I hope everybody's feeling okay out there. Um... Wild shit. Wild shit happening out there, right? The Rangers won the World Series. What's happening? Brandon won $300 off that game. Marcus Simeon hit me a home run in the ninth inning. Won me 300 bucks. Love the man. Love that man. Don't really care at all. It's the worst rated World Series of all time. I don't want to get in too much sports talk. That's for Thursdays. But, huh, told you. The fucking rule changes weren't going to change a damn thing in terms of viewership. And Brandon proven, right? Very much so. Oh, Whatever. What else is going on, man? I'm also going to talk about one of the worst movies I've ever watched in my entire life. I'm not going to go deep into it, but I'm just going to try to, like, just probably go in on a whole genre of movies, too. That's what's probably going to happen. I don't know. This show is not planned. It's vaguely written down. Vaguely. Like, the broadest terms of written down. And then Brandon presses record and then goes. So it's, it's like equally impressive and equally deranged. That's what this show is. Equally impressive to equally deranged. It's one man shouting at himself in his music room, in his man cave, in his dude cave, or as Karaoke Chris says, his equality cave. Um, and then it's all the parts of like a guy just really coming up here and riffing for an hour, an hour and a half, actually like over two hours every single week. He just riffs. And uh, comes up with some uh, usually pretty, you know, mediocre ideas, I believe. Pretty mediocre. I think that's a good target for this show, is mediocre. Um, but yeah, you know? If you want to be on the show, let me know. If you got questions, let me know. If you got the answers, let me know. Once again, there probably are questions out there that people have sent me that um, 
I'm too lazy to remember. <laughs> or I just haven't paid attention to them. Oh, there's a Gmail for this show. You know? Brandon still doesn't check it, ever. Like, ever. Like, it's ridiculous how little Brandon's checked that. I plug it every once in a while when I remember it, but I don't remember to check it, you know? It's wild. Ketamine was fun this week. I, I don't know. We'll go into that eventually, man. Where do we start off with, man? What do we start off with? Let me look at this stuff. Let's jump into the Bruce Springsteen Song of the Week. I say it different every time because I'm never happy with how I say it. And I think after hearing that one, there's a reason why I'm never happy how I say it. It's not great. It's not great at all. I need to come up with a determined way, like the Springsteen Song of the Week. Brought to you by Sitgo Gas Stations. Are those still a thing? They are in Arkansas. They are. Those things are actually, I mean, not actually, I'm not sponsored by Sitgo Gas Stations. They barely have enough money to stay open. I don't even think they're actually open. I think that's just an Arkansas thing. Like, I remember those things being in the thing in the 90s. Sitgo Stations. And, like, they had, like, a, they had a NASCAR. They, had a, they sponsored a NASCAR. Um, and then I forgot they even existed, and then I went to Memphis like five years ago, and we went to West Memphis in Arkansas, and they were just everywhere. I'm like, is this like an Arkansas-only thing? Is like kind of like the headquarters of Walmart and Sitgo in the same place? It was weird. West Memphis was depressing, man. Oh. Like, I'm, fr- I'm from like a pretty poor area. Like, routinely ranked as like the most depressed area in the country. I don't know how West Memphis got off the hook on that one, because my God, man, it didn't help. Like it was like it was January. It was right at like the you know very beginning of the year. It's like July, January second, January third, right in that time, and it was also like overcast and like rainy. So the weather was doing it no like benefits. Like that's always talk about how Boston was so wonderful. Boston was so, like big part of the reason why Boston was so awesome when I was there. Uh, Boston was awesome. That doesn't actually rhyme. That wasn't even close. That was stupid. But anyway, one of the reasons why it was so great while it was there was because the weather was perfect, man. You can ask Jeffrey about that. JR, Jeff Mundo, the man, the myth, the, uh, you know, fib, the lie, the, um, I don't even know. He's going to come on the show and we're going to argue. We got a big argument. We got into a really intense argument the other day. And we're going to do it on the, on the podcast. It's going to be two Americans screaming at each other, just like every other sports show that's out there. Just two dumb Americans who don't know anything screaming at each other. You know, having hard opinions about things they know nothing about. That's America. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, you can ask JR. The weather in Boston was incredible when we were up there. The weather in West Memphis was not great. It was, man. It was terrible. Like, you're just kind of like, uh, I feel really bad. Like, as soon as you, like, drove in, you just felt like, oh, I feel really bad about being here. Just, nothing against the people. People were all nice, I'm saying that. I just, like, you know, you just had that feeling like, I'm really in a place that I, I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know how to describe it. It's like you're, like, you literally traveled back in time, like, 60 years or something like that. It's like, I don't know, maybe you see a person driving a horse. Driving a horse. Brandon said that. Brandon just said driving a horse. Yeah. Yep. Brandon's making fun of an area for kind of being economically depressed. But I feel like since I'm from a very economically depressed area growing up, I kind of understand it. We can all make fun of it, laugh at it. But obviously, we treat the people with respect. Even though Brandon just said, driving a horse, you don't treat me with respect. That's that's the whole crux of what I'm just saying right now. Don't treat me with respect because I just said driving a horse. What the hell is happening on the show? 
this is the beginning of the show, which is just about as chaotic as the end of the show used to be way back in the days. If you go back and listen to those old episodes, you used to hear Brandon absolutely have chaos erupt when it came time to end the show because 10 billion things would enter his mind at one time. Now, I've just I fixed that to the point of where it only happens at the beginning of the show, and every idea that Brandon's been thinking of for like two weeks enters his brain at once, and he, as he talked about a couple weeks ago with his ADHD, starts doing the hula hoop dance, because his brain wants to do three things, and his body's trying to do all three things at once, and he just goes around like a hula hoop. <laughs> so that's the intro to the Springsteen Song of the Week. That's how I'm going to do it every single week. I'm going to do that exact speech I just gave about West Memphis and Boston and... You know, Americans having big opinions on nothing. That's the intro for the Springsteen Song of the Week. That's how that whole thing got started. It kind of fascinates me. When you roadmap what you talk about, like, what you actually talk about, I was like, how did we get here? When you actually roadmap it out, it's very fascinating to me. So that's why I like to, like, kind of reflect on how did we get here. We got to this song by Brandon talking about all that stuff. That's fascinating, isn't it? It may not be fascinating to you. You might be like, shut up, Brandon, just get to the Springsteen Song of the Week. That's the whole reason why I'm listening. Fair enough. Fair enough. We all love Bruce. Hope he's doing better. Hope to see him soon. Maybe I'll get him on the Sex Appeal sofa one day for a nice interview. Maybe we'll talk about this song. This is a song I have a love-hate relationship with. It's a great song. There's no denying it's a great song. But it's off Born in the USA. I have issues sometimes with Born in the USA. It's very dated when listening to it. I have issues with that very synth-heavy 80s kind of stuff that goes on like the mid-80s. I don't know. It's not my style. I'm not a huge fan of it. That said, I do love Born in the USA. It's a fucking fantastic record. The songwriting on there and the song ideas and also the political meetings behind everything. You know, basically a big you to Reagan. I talked a couple weeks ago. I leave you with four words. I'm glad Reagan dead. Killer Mike in the house. What's up? Um... But listening to it can grate on me sometimes when I listen to Born in the USA. Like, it just is grating at times because of just how synth-heavy. And this is, to me, the epitome of it. This is like Bruce's most popular song. Um, they literally put this song on there because Landau was arguing with Bruce. like, we need a single off this. One, I was Born in the USA, not the fucking like, massive single off that. That song is huge. Just the beginning, everything about it, it's huge. It's a huge song. I guess they wanted, like, one that's not as politically charged as Born in the USA. So he's like, he looks at Landau, he's like, man, I've written, like, 70 songs. How about you write one? So then he goes back, so, you know, Springsteen said it to Landau, piss off. So he screws it. You know, screw it. Bruce goes back to the hotel room and he writes this song in one night, which frustrates the hell out of me. He wrote this song in one night. It's just like, what, um, you know, Dolly Parton, like, writing, um... Two, which songs? Um, Jolene and I Will Always Love You, right? She wrote those on the same day. Get out of here, man. Dolly's fucking magical. She's fucking magical. My God. What a woman. What a human being. But no, Bruce wrote this in one night. I've never written one line as good as what's in this song in my life. And I've been alive for 33 years. But that's the thing with this song. Like, so I have my issues with its production, and I've always hated the fact that like it's its biggest song when so many other songs kind of deserve to be better. I'm not saying it's his best song; it's just his biggest. Um, it's "Dancing in the Dark." That's the song of the week this week. Uh, Deer Tick just released a cover of this, so that's why it's been on my mind. I've been listening to it, man. It is such a fantastically written song, all about self-doubts, isolation, 
uh, love, loneliness, everything that Monster Ate the Pilot is all about. Um, but my God, because even though I have many issues with the song, I will have to say it's got one of the all-timer lines, all-timer lines for Bruce for anybody. Like, you know, I always think of tattoos and stuff. If I'm going to get tattoos like lyrics or something, always tramps like us. Like, I don't even have to put Born to Run. You already know if I put tramps like us, what it means. There's other ones. Uh, Tom Waits has that great one from um, Tom Chopper's Blues. Hotel, uh, sorry, a battered old suitcase to a hotel someplace in a wound that will never heal. <laughs> what a fucking line, man. What a line that is. That is such a fantastic, like, lyric. Oh, oh, that cuts you... Through the bone. Like, it chops your arm completely off. But no, it's, it's... Dancing in the Dark has one of those lines in it. Also, Brandon is about to get a new laptop because he's done with this laptop. He's fucking done with it. Like, the mouse just doesn't work at all anymore. So I had to use the mouse from over there to bring it over here. It's, it's a whole thing. So Brandon's probably going to buy a new laptop that he really shouldn't be doing. But he needs to because he hates this one a lot. Anyway, it comes straight out of the bridge. Comes straight out of the bridge of uh, Dancing in the Dark into the final little verse before we do, you know, the last little Dancing in the Dark. Even if we're just dancing in the dark. Do, 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 do. Yeah, that wasn't too bad, Brandon. Good job. Um, shake this world off my shoulder. Come on, baby. The laugh's on me. God, Bruce, why? Why are you so good at this? That's not the line, by the way. That's a great line. That's not the line. So you come into this, so last little verse. Stay on the streets of this town, and they'll be carving you up all carving you up all right. They say you gotta stay hungry. Hey baby, I'm just about starving tonight. <laughs> That's a chill line. That gives me chills. Hey baby, I'm just about starving tonight. Oh dying for some action. Sick of sitting around here trying to write this book. I need a love reaction. Come on, baby. Give me just one look. Can't start a fire. <sighs> I think you started millions of fires with those lines right there, Bruce. <laughs> I'm feeling the fire. Feeling the fire deep in my loins. Ugh. But what a fucking line. Hey, baby, I'm just about starving tonight. Like, that's another one. I'm like, you know, if I ever did like a tattoo thing with lyrics, that'd be like, that'd, that'd be it. I'm just about starving tonight. Like, just, oh, oh, oh. There's a ferocity. Also in how he delivers the line. It's just, it's, oh, man, I, it's like one of those, like, when you first, like, really connect with that lyric, you go back and you, like, listen to just that part of the song repeatedly just to hear that, hey, baby, I'm just about starving tonight. Dying for some action. Man. Goddamn, Bruce. He, there's a reason why he's the boss, man. There's a reason why he is the boss. Because it's 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 insane. It's insane that he wrote that, that he gave us that into the world. Like, I th can't thank him enough for that one. My God, dude. The whole song's got great lines on there, you know? <coughs> Sorry. Had a cough there. I check my look in the mirror, want to change my clothes, my hair, my face, you know, just... Man, he's sick of it. He's tired of it, man. The pressure of trying to write a big hit song. For whatever reason, you know, like all these people like all over him, you know, having the massive hit of the river, like all this fun, like crazy shit. But then like when he comes back with that, man. Hey, baby, I'm just about starving tonight. <laughs> That's a pants off line if I've ever heard one right there. 
So that's it. That's the Springsteen song of the week. Bruce Springsteen song of the week is Dancing in the Dark off Born in the USA. Great jam. It's a great jam. You know, like I said, there's times it grates on me because of the production, all the heavy synths and stuff like that, that I think really date it. But lyrically, man, it, it stands up to a lot of things, everything else Bruce wrote. Maybe not the best written song on that record. On that record. Let's see. Obviously, Born in this USA is pretty fucking dope. Um, let's think. No Surrender. If I'd done No Surrender as a Springsteen Song of the Week, because, oh, man. What a song that is. But we're going to stick it to one. I know, like, a couple times, one of the last times I did this, I randomly did a second one. <laughs> just out the cuff. But we're not going to do that. You know? So that's the Springsteen Song of the Week. The Springsteen Song of the Week brought to you not by Sitgo gas stations <laughs> can they get that episode pulled down for that I hope so I hope so I hope I start like a big feud with Sitgo gas stations that's 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 yeah that's what it is that's the next step of the podcast is Brandon feuding with Sitgo <laughs> I assume that's how it's said I don't think I've ever I think that's what how it's said like C-I-T-G-O Sitgo I think it was Sitgo gas stations whatever man nah now, I've had a pretty good week. I think I've had a pretty good week this week, guys. You know, Jake came up, watched me do her- uh, almost said heroin. <laughs> Ketamine. <laughs> I did not do heroin. I've never done heroin. Um, I have not heard good things. The reviews, um, everything about the reviews of heroin um, are typically not things I'm looking for, so I usually kind of stay away from it. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like a bad movie or something like that. A movie's like, oh, yeah, it's a bad footage movie. And it's like, uh, oh yeah, I'm definitely not into those. And uh, that's, yeah, heroin is found footage movies. There we go. That's where we're getting to. Let's talk about a found footage movie. One of the worst, I, the worst thing that happened to me this week, I can't remember which day it was. Wednesday? I think it was Wednesday. I'm sitting here, I'm like, man, I gotta kill a couple hours, let me put on a movie. I get on HBO Max, or I'm sorry, Max, or HBO Go, or HBO Now, or HBO Max, or Max, or whatever the hell its name is anymore. It's probably changed since I've started this episode. Um, and I'm just looking through some movies, and there's one, I'm like, yeah, fuck, it's like an hour and 20 minutes long. That's not long at all. It's pretty solid, you know, we'll breeze through it. Uh, had a kid that was in the in-betweeners. I think he played Jay. I never watched the in-betweeners, but I kind of know some of the characters for some reason. I think because I had some British friends. But, it's called The Pyramid. And it's a found footage movie, which already, that means it's starting behind the eight ball. Like, found footage movies are the worst. They are so bad. So bad. Like, the Blair Witch worked. I don't really care for the Blair Witch Project, but it worked as a found footage movie until, like, some... Like, because you have to suspend so much of your disbelief with them. Like, all of them. It's like, why are they still filming? Why would they still be filming? Why would they care about filming still? That's always the issue with this. And in the pyramid, sometimes they would kind of get that and then transfer to a different camera and then go back to the found footage stuff. And it's like, or kind of like uh, the first-person camera stuff. And it's like, dude, what's the fucking point of doing the first-person camera stuff? It sucks. It doesn't look good. It looks dumb. It's like, why would the guy with the camera focus in on this guy dying and not be doing anything? He's just like, oh, shit, man, this is crazy. That guy just got split in half, basically. It's like, oh, dude, it was so bad. It's like some people found, like, this, uh, 
Pyramid D. It's like set during the Arab Spring, which I'm like, oh, that's fairly weird. Because I think it's like 2014. I'm like, the Arab Spring is like literally happening as they're like setting this movie. That's like pretty, you know, time specific. But in Egypt, they find a pyramid or some shit. They open it up. They end up going aside because the Arab Spring is coming that way. The revolution is coming that way or some shit. I don't know. It's stupid. It's not good. The acting is... Very bad. Nobody's likable. The it just uh, it's man. I don't want to spend too much time on it. But if you are thinking like, man, let's watch a cool little spooky, scary movie or something like that, or hey, I got like time to kill. Don't kill it with this movie. Don't kill it. It's a waste of fucking time. The pyramid. Um, it has like Anubis and shit in it. The graphics aren't great, but you know it's not a super big budget movie, so I always forgive those if the you know, they don't look great or something like that. It's just cheap. It's just like, not like just like the graphics look cheap or anything like that. It's just like the movie it feels so cheap. Like everything is, corner is cut. Everything is boring and stupid. Like, there's like a little side romance. There, like, okay, well, the very beginning, this like, one, it's going to be a found footage movie. So, like I said, already, you're starting behind the eight ball. This is going to be a shit film. Then the next thing is, there's a dude who has a camera attached to a little, um, like, car. A little, like, RC car or whatever. And he's, like, riding around. He's like, oh, we go into, like, the pyramid this way. So he immediately goes into the chick's, like, tent and watches her change. They don't show anything, thank God. But then he starts talking about how all of it's saved on, like, a hard drive back so everybody can see everything that we're doing. It's like, so... You have a record of you being a fucking creep and, like, spying on this girl as she changes, and that is saved on a hard drive for everybody to see on the research committee back home. You f- And then, by the way, she's also super interested in this guy, but she also has a boyfriend that's not really brought up, ever. Also, that camera dude's the first guy to die. And it's like, what is the point of setting up any of these stories if there's no payoff? Like, oh my god, man... I've never been agonizingly like, why is this movie still happening on an 80-minute movie? It was agonizing. This is F. This is F territory. I don't give a lot of movies F. But this is a movie where, like, this old sci-fi movies in the mid-2000s, people were usually trying. Like, you know, they weren't coming off good. They always came off cheap, but everybody was trying. Like, and usually the people who are really bad are people who weren't, like, actual trained actors or anything. They were just, like, kind of random people that were thrown into a movie. It's like, you know what, you can forgive that. These people had hardly any budget. They're doing the best they can. Then, fucking Sharknado happened, and schlock became, like, the craze of just making really stupid things that's so far in on its own joke that it's not entertaining, and it's people trying to make bad movies. And now when people do make really bad movies, it's like... There's not, like, like I don't know. I don't even know where I'm going with that. But this movie, it felt like nobody was trying. That's the issue. You can watch some of those old crappy sci-fi movies and you see that people are trying. There's a movie called Evil Tunes. And you can tell they're not trying to make a great movie. They know what they have on their hands. is a goofy, late 80s, early 90s, like, stupid a horror film that's not supposed to be all that scary. It's supposed to be more funny than scary. And everybody's just kind of in on it. And it kind of works. And it's kind of funny to watch. Especially because Carradine's in it, Kill Bill. And 
he hangs himself at the beginning, which was obviously a, uh, not a reference, it was a uh, premonition of the future. Obviously, if you don't remember how he died, look it up. I'm not going to talk about it. Um, nah. But yeah, like, this movie's like, nobody is trying to make a good movie, and they're all phoning it in, or nobody has the ideas like, why? Nobody asked why. That's the key to the movie. Nobody asked why with anything that was written in this film. It's like they took a decent little premise. Like, oh, there's a pyramid, a long-lost pyramid that had Anubis in it, and Anubis is trying to get back to Osiris, who is his father or his creator, whatever you want to say, blah, 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 blah. And there's, like, you know, the whole weight of the afterlife and all that shit. It's like, oh, cool. This could be kind of a fun, interesting little movie. If they do it kind of well, they don't have to do everything well. They just have to do it competently, or at least, you know, have a little fun with it, or at least try. This one is like, oh, let's take this fun thing, let's just schlock the shit out of this, and just throw it, you know, out there. And make Brandon watch it. We didn't make Brandon watch it. Brandon's going to get tricked into watching it because he's like, oh, I like Egypt shit. Let's see if this is any fun. And it wasn't. It was so bad. It was so freaking bad. God, man. It was a waste of 80 minutes. At least it was only 80 minutes. It could have been like two hours. That would have been... Nothing worse than when you get two hours on a movie that sucks. It wasn't like... I'm trying to think of like worse movies I've watched. Hmm. That's actually a good question. I have to come up with like some of my worst movies. Death Stalker 1 is way up there, because there's so many sexual assaults in that movie that it's like just disgusting. Like, just unbelievably disgusting. Like, obviously you watch a lot of those 80 movies for some reason. That's like, that's like the only thing they can come up with. Because one, they need to put boobs in the movie. That's the whole reason why they're doing that. Boobs, boobs, boobs. Um, but then they don't know how to make anybody evil, so they just pick out the like most evil thing possible and that's usually sexual assaults. Um yeah, cuz Deathstalker 1. So if you've never seen Deathstalker 1, it's one of those sword and sorcery movies kind of in the Conan type thing. The whole movie opens with a girl running away from a group of dudes who are just trying to are her. They're just trying to are her and that's the whole thing. They're all chasing after her. She's trying to get away and they keep trying to grab her and stuff like that. Then here comes our big, unbelievably muscular hero who kills them all. Then he proceeds to R the girl. He go ahead and does it himself. Our hero of the film does that to the chick. I'm like, what the hell is this? And then about 20 minutes later, after I'd sat through about four more of these types of scenes where somebody is trying to assault another, a woman, I'm like, I'm done with this shit. This is ridiculously stupid. This is tasteless and disgusting and just... Bottom of the barrel bullshit. Deathstalker 2 is better, if I remember correctly. And not like better, like, but at least I don't think there was that many. There's probably one because that's all, that's that's the talent they had. It's like, we have to do that because we have no ideas, <laughs> idea how to portray evil. But my god, that was, that was way up there. I think the arena as well is also a really bad one. And obviously, then there's the fun ones, like The Room. Like, The Room is awful, but it's, like, so fun to watch because it's so awful. I'm not sure why I'm saying it weird. Neil Breen movies are ridiculous, but they are so fucking entertaining. They are, oh my God, those movies are so entertaining. <sighs> Somebody with so little self-awareness is, it's just ph phenomenal. It's phenomenal, man. But whatever, don't watch The Pyramid. Don't do it. Just don't. Promise me. Promise me 
you won't watch it. But if you do, hopefully you hate it less than I did. Hopefully you enjoy it if you end up watching it. And you don't feel like you wasted your freaking time. Because my god, it was so freaking bad. So bad. So bad. Anyways, I got one of a story this week. Um, let's see. How, let's how, how old was this story? JR sent me the text. I had to be 21. Right? 20 or 20. Well, how old was I? I may have only been 20. Let's think. I may have only been 20 years old at the time. Uh, it was the Shawnee State Halloween dance. I had to remind... JR sent me the text of, like, the reminder of this thing. Um, it was a Facebook story. Not a story, a post or whatever back in the day I posted. And I had forgotten completely about this. I had my old uh, Samsung phone or whatever they were called back then. Or Nokia's or whatever. And, uh, let's say me and JR got pretty drunk for this. Pretty drunk. But, like, I was able to hide it. JR was not. JR did, like, 14 Jaeger bombs in, like, a half hour because he's JR. He's a, he's a man and he does what he wants. Um, I drank. Ended up drinking, like, a 12 pack of Miller High Life because champagne of beers and they are cheap and Brandon was a cheap ass. He drank those. But mine didn't hit me as quick as J.R.'s Jager Bombs did. Because I remember when we go to leave the house to go to this dance thing. I'm uh, J.R.'s in a toga, if I'm thinking correctly. I'm in a deluxe hugs shirt guy. If you don't know what that was, that was a YouTube video like 15 years ago. I guess a little bit less than that. Where this guy follows around the free hugs guy. I don't know if you remember those or not. If you're too young to remember, there was a guy, there was like these this group that would go around the like public areas and have like hold a sign that said free hugs. And they would just hug people. It's about as weird as what I just described it as, but it's supposed to be the whole like, oh, it's you know, we're you know, we're helping people. Like you know, people sometimes just need hugs. Whatever. This guy followed around with a deluxe hugs two dollars thing, <laughs> and it's pretty fun. Like uh, the guy, the free hugs guy, was getting pretty irritated. It was funny. Anyway, I had a deluxe hugs two shirts, two dollars t-shirt on. Whatever. Wasn't a great costume. Brandon never cares about his costumes. Ah, uh, anyways, Jr. decides he's got to take the trash out. We're at his sister's, and we're at his uh at, at her boyfriend's house, right? Something like that. And Jr. decides he's got to take the trash out as we're about to leave. And he's running up and down the street trying to find the trash can because he's so drunk and so like ready to go. And I'm not sure why he thought the trash can was, like, down the street and not just in front of the house, but he thought that and running around. And I remember Megan pulls me aside. It's like, you're going to watch after him tonight, right? It's like, I know you're pretty sober. Can you watch after him? I'm like, no problem. I have tricked you just like I've tricked everybody in my life by thinking that I'm sober. <laughs> Which I wasn't feeling at this point. But when I got out of the car at the university for the dance, that's when it hit me. I'm like, oh, boy, I'm really drunk. And, uh, yeah, that, that's that part of the story. But anyways, before all this happens... I'm in the bathroom, and um, I can't, I have been trying all week to remind myself to remember who texted me. I want to say it was Moose. I think it was Sydney Moose. I think it was. I think she was asking when me and JR were going to get there. I think. For some reason, like, I'm not sure why she texted me. I think she would just text JR. But maybe JR was so drunk at that point, she's like, yeah, it's impossible to talk to this guy right now. 
I think it's Moose. Maybe it was Katie Kaiser. Maybe. I don't remember, man. We're talking 13 years ago, 14 years ago now. It's rough. It's a long time. Especially when Brandon's put the miles on the brain that he has. But anyways, I'm in the bathroom. I'm using the bathroom. Wearing my nice jacket. Nice little hoodie thing I got going on. And I feel the text going off. I'm like, okay. Let me go ahead and grab my phone out of my pocket while I'm peeing. And I go to pull it out, and it hits the lip of, like, the pocket on the jacket. And it knocks it right out of my, uh, right out of my hand. Hits me in the leg. And right into my stream, into the commode that I was just urinating in. And ladies and gentlemen, friends and neighbors, boys and girls, friends of every single race, ethnicity, belief system in the world, there is nothing more embarrassing or sad than having to roll up your uh, hoodie sleeve and reach into your own urine to grab your phone. Nothing. I almost did think, like, I'm just going to have to flush this, ain't I? I'm just going to have to flush it. We'll just have to get a new phone. Mom will understand, you know? She'll understand why I have to get a new phone. Mom, I dropped it in the piss, so I just flushed it. That, that makes sense, right? But I'm like, nope, I've got to get it out. So I roll up the sleeve, and I get it out, by God. Thank God it wasn't number two. <sighs> uh, then I definitely would have flushed. Now I get it out. It's obviously shut off. I'm like, oh, man. Um, yeah, I just, like, wrap it up in, like, toilet paper, toss the toilet paper. I think I told Megan about it. And she's like, well, I got rice, and we had to put it in rice. And we kept it there all night. And eventually it turned back on, and it worked. I didn't really enjoy taking phone calls after that on that phone. Wasn't my favorite thing in the world. I think Corey Swords would call me just because. He knew that I dropped it in piss. So I think he would just call me. Just because he knew every time I put it in my face, he's like, Because <laughs> that's Corey Swords. He's a great guy. And I won't hear a bad word said about him. I don't care if he did that. It's hilarious. I think it's a very funny joke to do somebody. I, I like I like Corey a lot. <laughs> I would have done the same to him. Um, no, it was... Uh, yeah. I kept that phone for like two more years. Knowing that it once had been completely submerged in urine. So thank you, JR, for making me recall that this week. It's, uh... Like I said, I didn't really figure out how to tell the story. I think the story tells itself in times like these. You know? Times like these, man. Am I right? I don't know what that means in a weird mood tonight. I think I'm in a good mood. It's been Daylight Savings Day where we kick the clocks back. Like, why? Why is that even a thing still? Why is that still happening? Explain it to me. What's the point of it getting dark at like 3.30 in the afternoon? Who's that helping? Nobody. Nobody. You know? Makes the day feel like it takes on forever. Like, I had to get on here. I'm like, man, I gotta get going. It's, it's late. It's 10 o'clock. Then I'm like, then I check my, you know, computer here and it's like, oh no, it's like 9. I'm like, oh. I got plenty of time to record and upload and all that fun stuff. You know? It's crazy. Why is it still a thing? For farmers out in Idaho, who cares about them? There's three of them. You know? I don't know. I know nothing. Yeah, so Brandon had to use the phone that was covered in urine. 
that's the whole point of the story. It's not a great story, but it's a story that happened, and it is a story that happened roughly this time, like, 13 years ago. I blame JR. It's not really his fault. I blame Sydney Moose, maybe, because she may have been the one that texted me. I also blame Katie Kaiser, because it may have been her. But I don't blame Corey Swords, because that's funny shit, Corey. Also, I don't even know if he did that, but he may have, because it sounds like something he would do, because Corey's a good guy. <laughs> oh, where are we at, guys? Let's talk about ketamine. Let's talk about ketamine. I did my second ketamine therapy session this week. They upped my dosage. I think I talked about that last week, being worried about them upping my dosage. Um, I really didn't feel much this week. Like, I had, like, moments. Like, like oh, shit moments. But nothing as intense as the first week. And I think it comes down to I didn't swallow any of it this week. I did a really good job keeping it. It wasn't crumbly, so I didn't have to tic-tac it. So, like, I was able to put them in, hold it. And, like, I remember when I spit, and, like, I was going under, I'm like, mm, doesn't feel as, it feels less, like, intense as it did last week. And it took a few minutes to kind of get going, and it finally kind of got going on certain things. Um, and then I was out of it, like, ten minutes before, the, like, the session was supposed to end. Like, it dings when he tells you you've been on it for an hour. I'm kind of like, it should be dinging any second now, is it? So that kept taking me out of it, too. I'm like, I guess it's, it should be over, right? And I took it out, and I'm like, I feel completely sober at this point now. So I don't know. Maybe it was like uh, the week before I hadn't ate or drank anything the entire day. Or is this one I ate something very early in the morning because I did it later. Because you're not supposed to eat like three hours beforehand. Not supposed to drink an hour beforehand. I had thought like you weren't supposed to eat at all that day. Then not supposed to drink like three hours beforehand. So I hadn't done anything like that last week. So that may have been part of it being a completely empty stomach. Whereas this one wasn't quite as empty. So maybe that's one reason why it was less intense. Because like I said they upped the dosage. Um, I meet with him again this week to talk about it. I want to know, if I'm not feeling it, can I take the mask off and just like, okay, let's go ahead and start journaling? Um, what I focused on this week, we started focusing on rewiring the brain. It's working. I, I feel already feel like it's kind of like taking in like certain things. Um, big part of it, like I took, I kind of wrote it on the board back there. You can't read it. Brandon's going to get lights around the chalkboard back there so you have a better chance of reading it. That's a plan. Um is that you need to be the creators of your habit and not the victim of your habits. And I took that to heart. Because to me, it's the understanding that your habits, even your bad habits, you created. You had the power to create those bad habits. So therefore, you do have that power to create the good ones. It's going to take a while. It's not a quick fix. Anybody who's selling you quick fucking fixes, especially with mental health or money or whatever, are dumbass pieces of garbage. That's not a real thing. It takes time. It takes a lot of hard work to do this. But ultimately, that's what I was... Like, there was like a point. It was fucking weird, man. Self-doubts. It was like... Um, I'm kind of like feeling like I'm, in a, I'm under. I got the sleep mask on. I got my ketamine in. And I'm starting to feel a little bit. I'm like, okay, here we go. And... Dude, I literally felt like a... Trap door or like an attic door or something like that opened in my mind. Like, like an opening to get out or something like that. And I literally see, like, self-doubts and other things start, like, flying. I, I don't even know how to describe what they look like. Like, smoke? I don't know. Just flying out of my brain. So I'm, f like, literally feeling these self-doubts and these self, like, esteem issues and stuff like that are flying out of my brain. Like, oh, shit. Like, like and I can see, like, it's like almost like you understanding that it's not that simple. It's just like saying, I don't have them anymore. It's like, but you can 
change this. You do not have to be the victim of your habits, of your bad habits. You can create your own good habits. And that's what I focused on so far this week. A lot this week is creating better habits. Getting up right when I wake up, not sitting in my bed for an hour. Um, eating much better. You know, I talk about losing weight all the time, but fucking fail. Because another key for me is goal orientation. You don't have to have goals. The goal should be the habit you are forming to get to where you want to go. That's the focus. You hit, like, if you're focused, if I'm losing weight, I'm like, I just want to get to 200 pounds. When I get to 199, it's like, okay, I've accomplished my goal. And a lot of the habits that I've, like, worked on to get there haven't sunk in the way they should. If my habit is to just have better eating habits, the weight loss stuff will come with it. Or the healthier lifestyle will come with it. If that's the ultimate goal, who cares? It's kind of like my sobriety stuff. Like, it was like, oh, I want to get to a year. Once I got to the year, a lot of, like, the good things I was doing over that year didn't so much fall by the wayside, obviously, because I stayed sober. But at the same time, I wasn't as focused on keeping these good habits, keep my brain occupied, to keep myself from thinking about, you know, the tougher things. Like, <coughs> excuse me. So, so, like, when I got to that year, all of a sudden... Now, what's my goal? I don't know. And it kind of has left me in a weird limbo state of not knowing what I'm wanting to do with things. So I just kind of bounce off the walls and have random ideas here and there. Oh, let me buy a keyboard. Oh, let me start a podcast. Let me buy a chair. I did buy the chair. I accomplished all three of those things. I bought a piano. I bought those. But that's a goal. And I got those. The goal wasn't to write a song. The goal wasn't to become the next Mark Marin. Or sit in the chair. Because I haven't sat in this chair for a long time. So why did I buy it? I don't know. It is a comfy chair. I should sit in it more often. That's a totally different podcast. But whatever. And then I also saw a lot of you guys. A lot of the people that listen to this show. I know quite a few of you by name. There might be a few out there I do not know who you are. If I ever see you out there and you say, Hey, I listen to your podcast. I'm like, cool, man. Um... No, but I saw, like, family members. I saw my close friends. I saw how much they meant to me and how important they are in my journey and how selfish I can be at times in terms of staying in touch because I am so riddled with self-doubt and self-esteem issues that I feel like half the time you guys don't give a fuck about me. Not so much you don't care. I shouldn't say that. Is that you shouldn't care. That's the better way to put it. That I feel like you shouldn't care about me because... I am not worthy of being cared about. That's a great way to put this. Sad way to put it, but it is the truth. That's the issues in my brain, is that I have issues believing in myself and believing that I am worthy of good things. So, that's what Brandon is focusing on now. I'm not sure why my cadence is like this, but that's how it's coming out. Anyways, nah, man. So I want to be, I think another issue with the ketamine stuff is that when I'm in it, man, like, I am, you, like, if they ever let me, you guys are going to start getting weird text messages from Brandon about how much he loves you, how much he appreciates you, and how important you are to him. Because once Brandon gets out of the ketamine, he takes off the fucking uh, sleep mask thing, a lot of those wants go away. It's just like I've talked about, like, when I go to bed all ready to go, because, oh, it's 1 o'clock. You know what? We're going to the gym in the morning. But when I wake up, it's not there. I kind of feel the same way there. But there's a little bit more undertones and, 
like little changes that I've already noticed about my want to do things. Like I said, the want to like eat healthier, the want to, you know, kind of get the day started more efficiently. Um, I've already noticed those things are kind of taking hold because I want to. Like, um, I talked about like with sobriety that I needed to. That's a lot of pressure to put on yourself if you're going to kind of take that mindset into everything you need to change. Like, I need to change this. It's a lot of pressure. And with a lot of pressure, at least with my experience, with a lot of pressure, that leads to crippling self-doubt when you don't succeed in those things. So when I don't succeed at losing weight, all of a sudden it's like, it's because I'm lazy. Or like some of the stuff I say about myself, I won't talk about it a little bit here. Brandon's in a much better place. Don't like get too worried about it. It's like, like I am, like, like, you know, I'm in a much better place. I... We've t- I've talked about it quite a bit on this podcast. My depression spells, my you know suicidal thoughts, my suicidal tendencies. I've talked about it at length. I'm not feeling that way, but this is how Brandon can talk to himself quite a bit without having to get even into those types of mindsets. Sometimes it's just that casual. I've talked about spitting my- at myself in the mirror. Not quite that intense is how I talk to myself, but it is pretty intense when you actually break down what I'm saying to myself in situations. So say, like with weight loss. It's like, oh, the reason why... You don't lose weight because you like being a fat sack of shit. That's literally what goes on in my brain half the time. It's like, oh, why, why don't I just go ahead and get chicken wings? Because you know why? Because I want to be a lazy sack of shit. And that's how it goes about the day. Because I failed in my little task about like eating healthier. It's like, oh. And not understanding it's a journey. Not to be f- so focused on the goal. Focus on the habit you can build every single day to achieve the things you want to achieve. And ultimately, the goal is not what matters. We talk, you talk, hear that shit all the time when you talk about storytelling. That ultimately, the end of the story is not what matters. The destination is not the point. The journey to the destination is the best part. Everything about it is the best part leading up to the end of the story. The journey is what really matters. Building the habits, building the blocks of your life, the foundations of your life as you move forward is the important part. And that's what ketamine did for me this week. As simple as that sounds, I've talked about that, but I'm seeing it so much more vividly this week about how important it is for me to start like just building the little things in life to move forward. It took me 33 years to figure this shit out. But ultimately, it doesn't matter how old I am to figure that shit out. As long as you are able to understand and like understand that and move forward with that. That's all that matters. If you're 75 years old and you figure that shit out, awesome. You're going to have a great last little run of your life. You can change your life this way. And I just needed that little bump, that little understanding, that little kind of, like, just kind of, like I said, this vision of just what it is. Like, you know, you, like, I'm the one who can alleviate these self-doubts. I'm the one who can alleviate these self-esteem issues. If I just start, like, giving myself better habits to look into every single day. I'm reading more this week. Like, I do it every year. I start reading at the beginning of the year, and it falls off, and I stop. And then I, you know, I get to like this point of the year. I'm like, well, I'll start reading at the beginning of the year because that's the issue with New Year's resolutions is that people start looking towards them like way too early. You get to like the end of October, like, ah, I'll start doing this uh, at the new year. And it's like you give yourself two months. That's a whole sixth of the year, man. <laughs> that's a huge chunk of the year until you're gonna start doing it. You know. So like, I'm trying to jumpstart things. I'm trying to be more attentive. I want to start reaching out to more people, but I still struggle with that 
immensely because I'm like, how does this work? One, I never really learned how to text because in my early 20s, my phone was covered in piss. Um, <laughs> that's how you bring that story back. <laughs> Brandon's such a good storyteller. Um, no, I never really learned how to text. I don't really enjoy texting. And I just feel like half the time I just want to be like, what's the point of this? Why are we, why, why? why? I don't understand this. <laughs> uh, no, but ketamine, like you said, there, there was some issues with it this week, not being as intense. Like I said, why is that making so much stupid noise? Whatever. Not being as intense. I thought maybe, why did you make noise? I don't know what's happening. Anyway. Um, not being as intense, not feeling as long-lasting, because like I said, last week with like Jake, man, even like driving around with him afterwards when we went to dinner and stuff, I still was kind of feeling effects. I'm like, there was like a point where an ambulance was coming by. I'm like, what happens if that ambulance drives by and I snap back out of it and I'm back at my house? And it's like, holy shit, I've been living the last like four hours and like we've done all these things and it's not real. Oh my God, it's like salvia. Um, no, that didn't happen. But yeah, this one was like, I kind of came out of like, I'm pretty sober. And my other issue is that I feel like kind of crap afterwards, like physically, not mentally. Mentally, it's like, you know, you kind of in a state of like, okay, let me write some of this stuff down. Let me get some of this stuff out. Let me kind of see if I can unpack a few things here. But physically, man, it's not so much I'm I feel kind of a little sick. I got a headache both times. But at this time of year, I get headaches all the time. So I'm not 100% sure what's what. Um, no. But, like, ultimately, this one, in the end of it, the crux of it was, I am change. You know? All these, like, we put off these ideas of change all the time because we get into comfort zones. But ultimately, if we want to change, we are the, you know, factors that start those changes, you know? So, as I said, back here, it was a paraphrased quote of, you know, be the champion of your habits, not the prisoner of your habits. And that's kind of the crux of it. Yeah. So this Wednesday, I have three uh, <laughs> three uh, therapy sessions, which should be fun. That should be a lot of fun to talk about myself for three hours, probably. I got uh, two of them with Mind Bloom. I talked to like the girl who does like the dosage stuff. Uh, then I talked to the guide, and then I talked to Karen, my uh, regular therapist, that night. Hmm. A lot of talking. Brandon's into it. Gonna be a long show because now we're gonna jump into the Lost Rewatch. It is time for the return after two whole weeks of the Lost Odyssey, the expedition of the lostness, back into the lost stuff. We got LAX parts one and part two. There's one thing I really hated about these two episodes. It's in part two, and we'll talk about it. Uh, just a quick rock back, obviously, it shows you, like, the whole incident thing happening. Juliet smashing the bomb, boom, and then lost, and then it comes back, and it fades out. And it's one of my favorite scenes, is Jack on the plane. And it's setting up, like, the whole lead-up to the crash again. Like, Cindy comes by, offers him the drink, gives him the extra vodka, then he starts talking to Rose. Then the plane starts... Bouncing and starts going through turbulence. Let's see. Let's make this. It's the wrong way. Come on. There we go. This is the beginning of what's called the flash sideways. I'm going to try my... Like it, 
it's going to be very interesting how I feel about the Flash Sideways, knowing what it is, and um, see how it's aged. I don't remember a lot of it. You know, it's going to be interesting how it works. But anyway, the plane starts going through turbulence. Everything's bouncing up and down. Everything's going crazy. And then, like right when you know, usually the plane rips apart and all that crazy shit happens. Nothing happens. And the plane's just flying. And Rose tells Jack, you can let go now. That's the key to the whole fucking season. That's the key to a whole of Jack's fucking character. You can let go now. Mm, I love this fucking line. I love it. Love it. Bernard comes back from the bathroom, gives her a kiss, yada, yada, yada. Anyways, Jack goes in the mirror. He notices that he's got a small, like, he's bleeding in his neck. I'm not sure where that comes from. But anyway, is this when, if I'm thinking correctly, this is also Kate busts out of the bathroom and bumps into Jack and steals his pen, which Jack doesn't mention until later. He's like, somebody stole my pen. Somebody took my pen. I don't know where it's at. It's Jack, or Kate with the whole prisoner thing. Anyway, Jackson there, he inspects that. That's when we flash back to the island, all the fun, crazy stuff. No, he comes back, and Desmond's sitting beside him. And he can't quite know where he knows Desmond from. And, uh, you know, nice to meet you. Or to see you again. And then from there, the camera goes out the window, goes down into the ocean, goes to the very bottom. We start seeing Dharmaville. We start seeing all this crazy stuff. We see the four-toed statue. Bam, the show started. I remember being like, oh, shit. It actually worked, and then it not being the case. Oh, let's see. Yeah, but, you know, you're kind of setting up all the characters. You know, sorry, walking by Kate, looking at Kate, Kate having the handcuffs on her. You have Ed Mars back. You see um, Hurley and Arts talking to each other, and. Hurley mentions how he won the lottery, and so he's like, you shouldn't tell people that, like, uh, win the lottery, they'll take advantage of you. He's like, that won't happen. I'm the luckiest man alive. So you start seeing the little differences between what's happening on the plane here and what's, you know, since the incident happened. That's how it's set up, that the incident has changed things in the future. That Hurley is no longer, like, the bat, like, has the worst luck on the planet. He now is the luckiest person on the planet. We'll see it throughout the whole thing with like what Sawyer does for a living all these other stuff like here Boone's on the plane but he doesn't have Shannon with him because she didn't come back with her boyfriend I think it was a scheduling thing with uh, what's her face Maggie Grace I think it was a scheduling thing why she couldn't be in this part because she shows up later in the season um, Jen's still kind of being a dick he goes back to being a dick he's like putting the top of your sweater then he talks to Boone and, you know, he starts talking about how his walkabout was so awesome and blah, 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 blah. Fergert's sleeping between them. I completely forgot. Fergert sucked. <laughs> He's such an annoying guy. Uh, Boone's like, you know, if anything happens, I'm sticking with you. I'm like, oh, and it being bad. Uh, Cindy comes up asking for a doctor. Says somebody's stuck in the, the bathroom. Uh, Saeed's like, can I help? And then immediately kicks the door down. I'm like, I don't know if you're actually allowed to do that. Like, you didn't get permission. You just said, excuse me, and then kicked the door in. Um, inside is Charlie. Charlie's dying. He's choked. He's not breathing. Jack ends up pulling out the little bag of heroin out of his throat. Um, Charlie gets arrested. And all the crazy shit right there. Anyway, the best part of the whole episode is when, in the final sequence here, 
is the landing of Flight 815 at LAX. Like, the music is swelling, all these, like, people are just so happy, and they're getting up. The only thing I wish, they had a few of the other people who had died. Like, obviously, you can't do Walt, because, obviously, with Malcolm Jamal Kelly's, uh... Mike, not, did they say Malcolm Jamal? Malcolm David Kelly. Dumb. Um, his immense size at that point. <laughs> like, he's, like, eight years older than when he started on the show. But, like, Michael, like, you could have done, like, maybe some other people... Like Scott and Steve, though they were pretty nameless and faceless. I'm trying to think of other, like maybe Anna Lucia, maybe Libby, like some other people. Like if you could have got them together, and like, cause you see Cindy kind of walking and setting everybody up for like the end of the flight. And the other cool part was they got Greg, um, oh, what's his name? Is it Gutberg? Is it Grunberg? I can't remember his name. He was in Heroes, but he played the pilot in the first episode, in the actual pilot episode, and he gets killed. They actually brought him back, and he is the voice of the pilot over the intercom. I thought that was pretty neat. Um, I kind of wish when like Sydney was doing that, and like everybody's like standing up. The first people they're showing are all the people who actually died on the island. So like, you seeing them like, oh, don't realize how close like, you know, the whole thing, like uh, how close they were to like death and stuff like that. But man, the music is swelling so perfectly. Giacchino obviously is killing it. Giacchino, whatever you say his name. Um, Charlie's like, I was supposed to die, mate. To like uh, Jack, it's wild. It's crazy. It's innocent. E Street Shuffle. We're just going to do both episodes all at once here. Because LAX 1 and 2, I'm not going to break it down too much. Um, after the plane, Jack and Locke see each other. They're like, Nah, what's up? What's up, man? What's up, man? What's up, dog? Uh, Saeed's on the hunt for Nadia, like he was in the original part. Then, let's see, where are we at here? I got lost in my own little look over. Hmm. Yeah, I think it was like kind of like hinting that Locke was not paralyzed anymore, but he is. They brought the wheelchair for him. I can't remember if there's another reason why he's like paralyzed in the Flash sideways. We'll get there eventually. Um, Jack gets paged to the Oceanic Airlines desk. They find out they have lost his dad. His dad's coffin is not on the plane, and he's flipping out. He's like, it's take a place in like two hours, blah, blah, blah. Jen and son are frustrated they can't get through customs. Jen has a shit ton of money. He's like, you didn't check this. What's going on? And the one agent, like, I did not like this because it's so clunky and stupid. Like, Chick starts talking to sons like, Miss Kwan, if you, like, can you speak English? Because if you can speak English and you can help us, like, I thought the way, the way she was talking, it was just like, what is this? What is, who, who talks like this? Like, why would you assume she's speaking English? She would have been speaking English at any point during this whole interaction. But now that, like, uh, it was just so dumb. I just, I'm like, what is this? Anyway, but son next says, doesn't appear to understand. Kate asks to use the restroom. She goes in the restroom. She uses that pen to break out. She knocks out uh, Mr. Edwin Mars and gets out of there. Um, he almost tracks her down. She tries to get into a uh, cab, but Froger gets in the way. Uh, she hides behind a hurley, but then Mars spots her, so he gets. In, she gets into another cab. She like drives. Like I already got another customer. She puts a gun to him. Like drive, and Claire's in the car. Oh, Claire's back for a second here. And then, uh, yeah, yeah. And then the other part of the flash sideways. I don't think there's anything else really that's super important that happens in this one. Yeah, is that Jack is speaking back and forth with his mother about the lost. The uh, lost, whatchamacallit, coffin. Uh, Locke is there, and he talks about 
he's also missing a bag, and then like he's like he tells him how it's a coffin. He's like, oh wow, you know. Eventually, Locke's like, they didn't lose your father; they just lost his body. And then um, they start talking. He's like, oh, I lost those knives. And then like uh, Jack and Locke talking. He's like, hey, he's like, you know, how did like how did you get hurt? I'm a spinal surgeon. He's like, oh, my thing's irreversible. And then Jack's like, nothing's irreversible. Gives him his card, and he's like, you know, blah. I see him the flash sideways. It's whatever. Like I said, I'm going really. I'm not really sure how I'm going to feel about the slash sideways, in terms of the overall thing, because uh, I'll eventually get there at a certain point where I probably get frustrated with it and probably start blurting about it. But I'm going to kind of leave it in the dark right now. Anyways, at the Swan and the Temple. So what happens here is Kate comes to after the whole bomb blows up, and she starts rolling in. She realizes she's in a tree branch, so she holds on. She drops down. And this is one of those dumb things that happens. It's not just Lost. This is every single show that's made. Because there's just like this really dumb thing that people do. Like a lot of people do. Where because like Lost had all this hype for the la- it's the last season. These people who had never watched the show. And this happens in a lot of other shows. Like when the season premiere happens. A lot of people who've never watched it decide they're watching this show. Even though they've never seen a fucking second. Remember this is also in the age before streaming. So it's not like you could easily just catch up on Lost, just like willy-nilly. You know, if you had Hulu back then, I guess you could. Like, especially towards the end. Like, with like this point, like, Hulu was kind of more of a thing, so you could watch Lost. Um, That's back when they used to tell you when a show would go off, so it was like, Lost was like, uh, like it had like a 10-year contract, so it was always going to be on Hulu. Now, I, you know, with all the other contracts, like AMC, all this other stuff, like, basically, Lost will be on everything forever. Um... But the the issue is, like, Miles comes up and runs into Kate, and she takes him down. And is like, Kate, it's me, Miles. And it's like, yeah, she knows that. She knows who you are, Miles. But he has to say that for the people who have never watched a second of Lost, who decided to start watching it on the final season premiere. They had to, like, bring, it's like, well, we have to have Miles say his name so people know he's Miles, because there's going to be people who've never watched the show. And it's like, ugh. Like, other shows do this, too. It's not just Lost. It's like every other show has... They have to do it because there's dum-dums out there who think it's okay to start watching a show six seasons in and then, like, would get mad that, I don't know who any of these people are. It's like, yeah, because you haven't been watching for six seasons, you idiot. Anyways, um, Kate, as she's helping uh, Miles back up, looks over and she notices the hatch door, like the side door to the hatch. So she goes running. They get to the, where the Swan Station was, and it's just the big crater that Desmond had turned the failsafe key on and blown it up. And uh, there's a dumb line here from Miles. I guess we're not in 1977 anymore. It's like, ugh. Who thought that was a good line to throw in there? Miles is good. I love Miles. Ken, Ken Leung is, like, really great, but that was a dumb line. Anyway, she sees Jack and Sawyer sitting there, and she runs to Jack first. Ooh. Um... And she's helping Jack up, and Jack's like, what happened? He's like, uh, we're, you know, we're, we're at the... He's like, it didn't work, or, you know, whatever. Then he gets kicked in the face by Sawyer and goes flying down the hole, and Sawyer's like, it didn't work! <laughs> <laughs> like, he was... No, you were wrong! <laughs> it just goes down there to fight him. It's just not happy. And, like, he's just like, this is where... This is the swan hatch! Like, Holloway is angry. Uh, Hurley and Jen are back at the van. For some reason, the van traveling to the future as well. Not sure 100% how that's supposed to work. Why that van got to travel through time with them. Maybe it's because they were touching it. I guess. Maybe that's why it came through. It was very convenient. 
and then it got kind of stupidly inconvenient later when they didn't use it to transport Saeed's body to the temple. They just, you know, instead decided, okay, we have this van here that can easily carry Saeed and us to where we need to go, or at least farther than us having to carry Saeed across the island, which took a matter of seconds, by the way, which is also the magic shrinking island in the late seasons. They walk from the swan hatch to the temple in, like, one scene. Like, same time of day, I'm like, is what, was the temple just right beside the camp? Because, remember, it's only 15 minutes from the camp. Like, the Swan Hatch was 15 minutes from their beach camp. And then they walked there in less than an afternoon to get to the temple. So the temple was within walking distance the entire time of that, and nobody ever found it? Come on. It was stupid. But, anyway, they're laying against the camp, and Saeed's bleeding out, and... Jin points out that they traveled through time. Talk about the similar experience. And then um, they can hear Sawyer and Jack yelling at each other. So they go, like, Jin takes off running. Uh, let's see. They're at the Swan Station. Jack realizes the bomb must have gone off. He's like, if it's gone off, then why did it work? I'm angry, Sawyer. And then they start hearing Juliet screaming from underneath the wreckage. So they start working on getting her out. Uh, back at the van, Hurley starts hearing sounds. And he gets his gun out, he goes running, then he hears more sounds, turns around, and there's Jacob standing there, waving. And Jacob comes back, uh, the Saeed, and he looks upset, and he's he's like, uh, Jen's going to be back any second. He's like, Jen won't see me. He's like, why not? He's like, because I died about an hour ago. He's like, that sucks, dude. It's like, damn right, Hurley, it does suck that Jacob had to die. Uh, then he tells uh, Hurley that they need to take him to the temple, take Saeed to the temple to save him. That's the only way to save him. So Jen, like, they're driving together. He's like, hey, do you know where the wall is with the French team? And he's like, yes. And he's like, when, okay. And then um, they're helping to get wreckage out. Ju- Jack or Sawyer goes climbing in, talks to Juliet, and she says, like, we should get coffee sometime. We can go Dutch. And then she's like, I got something to tell you. And then she dies. And Sawyer boohoos. Who's pretty hard about it. Where are we at here? This should be everything there. And the second part of the episode with this part, he tell, uh, Sawyer's told Kate that uh, if Juliet dies, I'm going to kill him. Talk about Jack. And when he comes out carrying Juliet's body, he is just staring death at Jack. Just staring death at Jack. It's pretty fun. Um... And then he's like, okay, I'm going at the barrier. And he asks Miles to stay, stick behind him, stay behind with him. And Miles is like, okay, okay, boss. They do that. Then he tries to force Miles to talk to dead Juliet. And then all Juliet tells, was going to tell uh, Sawyer was it worked. He doesn't understand what that means. The other group is heading to the temple. The Finally, we get to the temple. This is my issue. Saeed should have went there. He should not have shot Ben. They could have just fucking scrapped that whole stupid uh, subplot of the shooting of Ben as a child because it opened up all the fucking flaws in Season 5. Saeed should have went to the temple last year. He should have been at the temple last year. We could have learned about the temple, learned about the others, learned about a whole bunch of other things about the show that they had to fucking rush into like a little four four or five episode arc in Season 6. It's stupid. It doesn't work. Everybody sucks. Dogen's kind of cool. And you don't learn anything. Anyways. They go underneath the temple. They start hearing whispers. Kate disappears. Then um, Saeed, Hurley, and Jin disappear. Then Jack gets taken. And then they come to 
And Dogen comes walking out like a badass. What's his name? I always forget his name, the actor. You got John Hawks here, which sucks because his character kind of sucks. It doesn't do much. Uh, oh, shit. Where's my cast at? Oh, my God. Sorry. Where is my cast? Oh. Where is he at? He's pretty famous. Oh, Hiroki Sonata. Hiroyuki Sonata, I should say. I'm sorry. He's been in so many goddamn great things. Anyways, let's get back into it. He tells him to kill him, and then that's when um, Hurley's like, Jacob sent us, and then he's like, uh, prove it, and he's like, oh, I got the guitar case, and they open it, it's got an onk in it, like there's a Jimson onks, they break it open, it's got a list, like, what's your names, and they say all their names, and then he's like, what's that piece of paper say, he's like, if we don't help your friend, then we're all in a lot of trouble, whatever, um, they take him inside, and there's like a pool, there's like a pool area, like a, like a, like a, um, a cleansing pool or something like that. Like, the water is dirty. What's that mean? What's that mean? Is that is it because Jacob's dead? Is now the island corrupted now that Jacob's no longer there to protect it? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't think this is ever brought up. Who cares? Like I said, if Saeed would have been there last year, maybe still, like, you know, Jack would have shot fucking Ben or something like that. If they stood the bench line, maybe we could have seen what would have happened, like, what happens when you take somebody there with the clean water. Maybe we could have understood, like, the significance of the fact that the water is dirty and this could be bad for Saeed. So they hold Saeed under, and uh, he starts fighting back because obviously he's like that, and he's like, well, an unconscious person can't breathe, and, like, he stops kicking eventually, then they had flipped a little, like, hourglass over, and the hourglass finally spills, like, spills out, and I'm like, okay, get him up, and, like, your friend's dead. It's like, yeah, you just fucking murdered him. You just held him underwater for, like, a minute. Whatever. So Jack starts trying to like give him CPR, and it kind of mirrors like the whole uh, Charlie scene in season one with all the best cowboys have daddy issues when Jack just won't stop trying to save somebody. And Kate once again is telling him to stop, and it's like, "Why are you telling him to stop, Kate?" And then he, but he does. They accept the fact that Saeed's dead. Um, Cindy comes along with the kids. That happens. Yeah, Cindy's the ones like, "Oh, from the eight fifteen crash." And they're like, "Okay, shoot him." It's like, "Okay, that's weird." Whatever. Um, Hurley has to go visit Dogen. And I can't even remember what John Hawk's name is. I don't think it's ever said, is it? Lennon. That's right. Because he vaguely looks like John Lennon. I think it's the whole reason why his character was named that. He vaguely looks like John Lennon. He's got John Lennon glasses on. He's kind of got, like, kind of longish hair. But that's about it. Anyway. Um... Dogen speaks in Japanese. Lennon translates, but Dogen also speaks Ameri uh, American. He speaks English, but he doesn't like how it feels on his tongue. I like Dogen. Dogen's pretty cool. Everybody else kind of sucks. But whatever. Where's the Hurley stuff here? And that's when... Oh, this is... Sorry. God, I'm getting completely unfocused here. I'm getting a little bit scatterbrained. Uh, Hurley, this is where Hurley tells them that Jacob's dead. That's when they find out. So they go into crisis mode. They start spreading out ash everywhere. And then they start spreading around, and they're like, I was like, oh, so why can't we leave? He's like, it's not for you to keep you here. 
It's to keep him out. And like, who are they talking about? And they that's the point where they cut the John Locke. In a Temple Spring room, Hurley and Miles sitting near Saeed's body. Miles has like a weird look on his face. You know, he's kind of like, what the hell's going on here? And um, they come up and say, hey, Jack, you got to come with us. Lennon does. He's like, I'm not going anywhere with you guys. You can tell me right here. He's like, no, what we're saying is we're asking you nicely or we're going to force you to go. So they try to like start getting in the fight, and then that's when you start seeing Saeed move. And that's when like Curly flips out like, Jack? And they stop, and they look over, and they see like Saeed come over. He's like, what the fuck happened? What crazy-ass ketamine trip have I been on, bro? And that's the end of the episode overall. Uh, we'll go back real quick to the statue stuff. So inside the statue, you got Locke wiping off his knife. Ben's sitting there, and he's like, oh, he's like, you can stop staring at the fire. He's gone, you know? And he's like, I need you to go get me Richard. And he's like, why? And he's like, we have something to discuss. So he just sends him out there. And he's like, what is it? And he's like, that's between me and Richard. So we're already the man in black slash Locke, Flock, whatever you want to call him, is uh, already doing to Ben what Jacob was doing. Basically, you're not worthy of hearing this stuff. You're my pawn. You know? Outside, Alana and Bram are having an intense discussion with Richard. He's like, you're not going in there. You know, you can't go in there unless Jacob invites you in. He's like, but Jacob has invited us. He's like, just because you asked me what's in the shadow of the damn statue doesn't mean you get to go in there. Alana? Person I know nothing about? Um... Then Ben comes out to the statue. He's like, hey. And Alana Richard's like, what happened in there? He's like, no, nothing. He just want, uh, John wants to talk to you, Richard. And he's like, how's Jacob? He's like, Jacob's fine. Uh, they just, they, they, John just wants to talk to you. He's like, oh, does he? It's like, how about you, let's go talk to John. So he gra- and Richard grabs Ben, starts leading him across. Like, as soon as you get done talking to him first, throws him on the ground beside John Locke's dead body. And the look on Ben's face is like, what the fuck, man? What the hell is happening here? <laughs> really? So, uh, Bram grabs Ben and says, we're going inside. And he's like, uh, so where's Richard? And he's like, he's not coming. He's like, so who's that with you? And then here comes Bram. And apparently they named the people that went inside with Bram. I have no idea who these people are. Wolf, Burnett, and Salinger. Where did they get these names from? They must maybe there's like a webisode or something. And explain this, because I'm like, where did you get these names? They're never said. They have their guns pointed at uh, Locke. And that's Bram's asking him, like, where Jacob is. He says, Jacob's dead. And they're all free. He's like, you must be the bodyguards. You're all free now. Um, Bram and his men become enraged. They start shooting at the man in black. Flock, whatever I'm going to call him. I'm not sure. should call him Flock. Fake Locke. They go around the corner, and he's gone. And then you start hearing the noises, and you know what's coming. All of them have their guns pointed at the entryway. And here comes the black smoke through the doorway. Uh, starts killing Burnett, Wolf, Salinger. have no idea if that's the case because I have no idea who was who. Uh, Brim, being a dick, because he's a dick, immediately he's like, oh yeah, fuck you guys. And starts spreading ash around him. So the, whole, the ash keeps the monster out, apparently. Spreads ash around himself. And it comes in close on Brim. Brim's like, yo dog, I got this ash around me, bro. You can't touch me, son. And then the smoke monster hits like a pillar, a rock falls, and gets shot across like the way. Hits Bram, he falls out of the little ash circle. The smoke monster grabs him, flings him up against the ceiling, then flings him through like uh, one of the tapestry things, and a big plank of wood is sticking through Bram's chest. Bram is dead. Who cares? You know? 
Like, the Juliet death is pretty emotional here. The Saeed almost death is kind of emotional here. The Bram death is like, well, I don't fucking care. Who cares? It almost would have been... It, salvage Bram, he should have survived here. Because then we'd have a little bit more why that ash keeps him out. You could have, like, how do you know that? Why does it work? Whatever. I don't think it's ever explained. That's the problem with Season 6. It still sets up these little mysteries as if we know the answer, but never explains why it's an answer. I mean, you don't have to go into, like, some deep detail. It's like, oh, it's like, you know, some historical thing. I don't know. I don't know. Then... Ben starts to leave, and then he hears like a sound behind him. He turns around. There's Locke, and Locke's like, "I'm sorry you had to see me that way." So it's the confirmation that Flock is the smoke monster. <coughs> Where are we at here? When we come back to him later, I think this is whenever he's like we're trying to keep him out. Ben's like, "What are you?" He's like, "I'm not a what, Ben. I'm a who." He's also a dick. Um, he's like, uh, then he's like, you know, he was pretty confused when you killed him. He thought he was talking about Jacob. He's like, no, John Locke. When you killed John Locke, he was very confused. And this, I fucking hate this part. I do not like this part. It basically shits all over John Locke as a character. It, like, it shits on him. Shits on him and doesn't even wipe. Doesn't even offer to wipe. It's fucking awful. They basically say John is just a pathetic, sad person who had nothing going on in his life, ever. And that's it. That's all John Locke was, was just a sad, pathetic dude. And he just understood that, and that's why he never wanted to leave the island. It's like, what? What? Mm -mm. He's like, you know... Mm. He's like, his last thought was, I don't understand. He's like, how sad and pathetic that is, Locke was. It's like, it'd been different if there was, like, some way that Locke comes back. Or something like that. Like, the real Locke comes back and is able to do something here. Or maybe fight for control of the man in black or flock or whatever. I don't know. They could have done something. But, literally, they just leave it at this. And, like, Locke's dead. Just deal with it. And he sucked, by the way. He just was a shitty, he just sucked. He was a sad, pathetic person. Deal with it. Like, What? He's like one of the best characters the show created. And you literally, in this one thing, basically said, he was a sad, pathetic person, and was not special at all. Yay! What? This is almost as bad as, he won't remember any of this. But that just created so many issues with the, just the logic of the whole season, and the logic of the whole show, almost. This is just basically shitting on massive characters. This is not like Jamie Lannister bad in Game of Thrones where he basically renounces every bit of character development he had over nine seasons and then basically portrayed all of that in like one sentence. Uh, this is basically just saying, yeah, this one guy that basically makes Rock uh, Locke a red herring throughout the whole show. Like, the show sets up that Locke is like the main, like, mythology type person in this show like the main mythology character like the protector of the island all this other stuff you know he was paralyzed when he came to the island but then he could walk again the island chose him the island is choosing Locke blah 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 all this stuff and it's like really no it's not because Locke is a sad pathetic person who wasn't special we only needed him to make sure that the man in black could take over this body that's it It's bad. That is awful. 
awful. Like I said, if there had been a little bit more of a payoff, maybe there is that I'm just completely forgetting about with the lock stuff towards the end. But I think there's not. I don't think there's anything that redeems this whole little speech here. It's awful. Also, back at the temple, they set off flares. They sh- like spot off on the side. It's going to be important to the next part. But man. And then he's like, and then Flock is like, um, you know, finishes his speech reflecting on the irony of the situation. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, I want the one thing that John Locke didn't. He's like, I want to go home. And then he gives a really evil look. Like, as much as I don't like the whole Flock thing, um, Terry O'Quinn is fucking great. Anyway, the flares are seen from the beach, from the temple. Uh, the man in the back leaves the statue. They come walking up, and they're lifting guns, and Richard's like, don't shoot, don't shoot. Uh, he walks right up to Richard, and he's like, it's good to see you out of those chains. Richard is, like, stunned. He gets, like, these great, like, looks like realization in his eyes, like, you? And then he knocks out Richard, puts him up on his shoulder, and starts walking away. He's like, I'm very disappointed with all of you! And walks away. So that's LAX 1 and 2. I like lots of aspects of it. Like, there's a great little scene with Saeed, with Hurley, talking about all the horrible things he does, like what happens to him when he dies. Like, you know, there can be nothing good for him because he's been such a horrible person his whole life. Torturing all these people, murdering all these people, blah, 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 blah. Um, Kate's pretty good at trying to be the peacemaker between uh, Sawyer and Jack because, you know, Sawyer ends up getting taken to the temple as well. They get knocked out. They did one dumb thing that I didn't really care for, like Miles and like Sawyer. Sawyer's knocked out, and he's like, "Yeah, he took out four of them before they could take him down with a rock." And I'm like, "Dude, I don't know. It just seemed like that's stupid. I don't know. It's like, ugh. Sawyer is so heartbroken about his, you know, the love of his life dying that he's just this machine you can just beat the shit out of everybody. It's like, yeah, who gives a fuck? This is kind of dumb. But you talked about how he's not going to kill her. He's not going to kill uh Jack. I'm sorry." Um, Juliet's death is good. Like, the music's great. The whole thing's sad because Juliet's such a great, fucking wonderful character. Saeed sitting up and, like, what happened was pretty cool. Um, Dogen's good. I like the, just the little bit of Dogen we got. Um, obviously seeing Jacob show up and talk to Hurley was pretty cool, fun. Like, there's good things about this episode. I'd give probably part one a B plus, especially for the whole landing of 815. I'd definitely give that, like, it's such a good moment. It's such a really good moment. It's so well done and shot, created, like, the way it mixes in all the characters, like Boone and, like, uh, uh, Locke shaking hands, all that stuff. It, it's really good. It's really good stuff. Um, part two, it has to take a big ding. As much as I like some of the other stuff, you know, Sy- or Sawyer and Kate off on the Flash Sideways interacting, like, Sawyer kind of... Because at this point you think Sawyer's a con man. He's actually a cop in this Flash Sideways. Spoiler. Um, but he kind of protects Kate from cops and stuff like that. Blah, blah, blah. But that fucking... Locke was just a sad, pathetic loser. Who was never important at all. Speech. Fucking really kills this episode. C+. I'd give part one a B+. C-. I'm actually going down even farther. C- for part two, just for that lock stuff. It was just, It's infuriatingly stupid. It's infuriatingly insulting to somebody who loved the show that much to basically say the best character they created, which was probably John, Jack's right up there, Desmond's great too, all this stuff, is actually just a sad, pathetic loser who had no business being cared for. 
Like, unless they redeem it somewhere down the line here, I don't think they do. But I don't think they do. And if in this case, LAX Part One gets a nice B plus, LAX Part Two gets a nice C minus because of that one scene. I fucking don't like it at all. Oh, but that should be it for the Lost Rewatch. We've got two more episodes next week. It is what Kate does and the substitute. I'm 90% sure about that. Let's see. Oh, fuck off. What the hell? Only a whole season recap. Just give me the damn episodes. Yep, what Kate does in The Substitutes. That's obviously a Kate episode and the Lock episode for this season. Uh, we'll continue to see what's going on with the, uh, what should we call it, the Temple. Dogen, all that crazy stuff. Saeed coming back to life. Because I think that's a big thing with Miles. Like, he was dead. He was dead. And that kind of plays into the what is dead is dead thing. That also made me think when I was watching it originally, oh, that means Locke can come back somehow and like do something about this. Which I don't know if having dueling locks as like your final fight would have been cool. I think it would actually look pretty fucking stupid. But whatever. <laughs> Better than just saying locks is a douchebag. A big dipshit. Whatever. Um, yeah. Like I said, season six off to some unsteady footing. We'll say that. Definitely some unsteady stuff here. Uh, but other than that, ladies and gentlemen, that should be it. That should be it for me tonight. Thank you so much for listening understanding all the fun stuff. If you like what you've heard, spread the good word. Anywhere podcasts are available, you can find Monster Rate the Pilot. You can watch the video on Spotify if you're so inclined to. If you got questions for the show, let me know. If you got the questions, answers, uh, want to be on the show, just hit me up with some cool shit, man. Just come up with a date or whatever. I'm pretty booked up all the time, even though I'm doing nothing a lot of the time. I'm continuing with my ketamine therapy, hopefully opening up new pathways to my mind as I rewire how everything works up here. If you got other fun stories about Brandon dropping his phone and piss, let me know about them so I can recount those on the uh, podcast. Um, yeah, I think that should be it, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I'll be back Thursday with some sports talk. We've got a frustrating Liverpool game, and we've got... Should have the second crew. Yeah, we'll have the second crew game in the book for the playoffs. Hopefully, that's a crew win and a move on. Um, you know, we'll see where everything else is at. But once again, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your night. Ten four, Daddy O. Let's get the hell on out of here. <laughs>